Hello neighbor, what's up? So this is the final part of One for All. The reason I didn't upload it with the one yesterday was that due to editing mistakes, that other this part was cut out entirely. Then I really am recording this practically. So those are the challenges I face. Okay, let's just go into the story. I'm not wasting time, okay? So where we stopped in the last story, um, Aria was suspicious of Henry, even though Tanya wasn't, because, you know, Henry is kind, but then could it be an act? You get that sort of thing. So a few days after the intruder broken, um, Madame noticed that some of her letters were missing. So she had to call Tanya into her office and tell her, see, those letters were from your father. But don't worry, he did not mention your name in the letters, but it was about you. And this, as of this time, it was already two weeks to the solstice deadline, you know, when those traitors would do what they have in mind to do. So sometime later, Tia handed Tanya new breeches. They were tight, like new trousers now, that they used to wear under their skirts. These ones were tight and lightweight at the same time and... Tanya noticed that just with these trousers, she was feeling stronger. Her vision was clearer. Her dizziness faded a bit. So now, eight days to the winter sources, this the cold that they had gotten now from that duck, duck it hasn't still been cracked. And they really needed information from Vedon's son, either had to take him and the other nobles down. So there was a ball at the palace that night, and Pothia was like, let's just charge ahead, take on multiple targets, get all the information we can. Madame was like, ah, no, 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 I can't rescue people because I want you all to stay together as much as possible because I don't want a repeat of what happened to Thea. So it's true that in as much as Madame wants to be respected by the musketeer senior officials, she doesn't want to do it at the expense of her girls. So because of this action of hers, Ari and Tanya, they just crossed out of the inside informant um, list. But they couldn't cross off Henry yet. I mean, Tanya wanted to, but Ara was like, you care too much about others. Why that your sincerity, Tanya, might appeal to a new target and make, they can feel that from you. It can also be undoing if you don't control it. Also, Ara was like, and also I know you have feelings for Ethan. You better keep your distance from him. So at the ball held at the palace, you know, when they arrived there, Tanya happened to see a man that she had seen at the docks back in others. He was standing beside a woman. They were talking. So Tanya eavesdrops. And she learned that that man's wife, she didn't show up to the woman's meeting, the woman he was talking to. He didn't, she, his wife didn't show up to that woman's meeting. And in that meeting, special hand fans were handed out to the women there. And so Tanya was now noticing the woman's fan, the woman that was talking, because she was with her own extravagant hand fan, and there's a way she was twirling it. Tanya was now alarmed, because Madame had taught them minute meanings that twirlings of fans meant. The way the woman was holding her fan in her left hand, the way she turned it over, it meant that the order was being watched. So together with Pothia, because she now Tanya signaled Pothia, they now bumped into the man. Because at that time, the woman had left the man, but she handed him the fan to hand to his wife. The man didn't recognize them, as people have seen before, though they've seen him before, that dog's now. He just sneered at them because he saw them as silly girls in pretty dresses. So Tanya used the opportunity that the fan, you know, that opportunity that they, she bumped into the man and the fan dropped from his hand to the floor. She now just noticed every detail of the fan, including that it had fine calligraphy letters. And it clicked to Tanya that these calligraphy letters are not just like normal ABC letters, that they're words. So after the man left, Potter was like, oh, that woman is a contest. 
even the beginning of the story earlier, I didn't mention this, but they, they, there was a rumor, not a rumor, it was actually kind of confirmed. Madame told them that the Comtesse had an affair with this other lord like that. So they were thinking, oh, it's just this affairs that, you know, nobles tend to have for any reason that they do what they do. But now that they're thinking about it, oh, this Comtesse had an affair with so-and-so person that is wealthy and she was able to afford these extravagant funds. So that means that affair was to collect funding to fuel their traitor mission. Do you get? So, after this one passed, though, in that same ball, a noble, Lord Duvelac, he approached Tanya to dance. So, while this Duvelac was uh, dancing with Tanya, Etienne caught in halfway, like, oh, I want to dance with the lady. And Etienne is not even a noble, and he's doing this into a noble. Do you understand? Etienne is just somebody whose family has money. So, anyhow, Etienne, he and Tanya dance from there. He kind of kind of um, carried her to one side to the balcony then they sat on a bench he kissed her although it was brief and tanya pulled back before someone would see them and to be a scandal however Ethan was like i'm serious about you tanya and tanya's heart floated she had feelings for him but she knew that come on with what i'm currently doing trying to get information from him nothing can come out from both of us liking each other yeah Ethan told tanya that he didn't have ulterior motives like oh I just like you for a year. I don't have any ulterior motives. And I can prove it by answering any question you ask me. So Tanya started by asking, so what are your parents like? He replied, me and my parents are no clothes. And my dad shifts me away to school. And he didn't permit me to come home for holidays because he wanted me to be tougher. He think he thought that by coming home, I would be soft, that sort of thing. So Tanya interpreted this as last part to mean that Monsieur Verdon had wanted Ethienne in school and away from home so that Monsieur, Senor Vedon now, like the Hobbit Vedon, Ethan's father would have his time of solitude to continue carrying out his traitor work. Then Ethan, before they separated, Ethan was like, I'm going to call, uh, like I'm going to come visit you on Monday afternoon at your place, like where you're staying. So back at the house, you know, they were now kind of talking, everybody now talking about what they had found out at the ball. And Tanya said her own. Then they were like, okay, we're suspecting that the letters in this fan they are connected to the code. That code that they needed to crack. So Porty and Tanya were to visit the fan maker the next day. Tanya also told Madame everything Etienne had said, including how he was coming to visit her, you know, in a few days. From the fan maker, Tanya discovered that the letters in the fan are a lullaby. So Tanya learned the lyrics and she sang it to Madame when she came home. The last part caught Madame's attention. If the piglets don't eat here. That's what that last night said. It's equivalent to saying... My baby, you'll go five, nothing gets in your way. Why would you sing that kind of thing to a child? So Madame was like, I'll cross-reference the lyrics in my library. But she didn't sound hopeful. So a few days later, Madame broke the sad news to the girls that the fan maker was murdered in the same fashion as Papa was, like his head and his beard was shaved. In the shop, officers, they found a fan, like those fancy ones made for the contest. But the message was different. The message was, stop now and we will spare you. It was clearly the work of the scheming nobles. Avian arrived to call on Tanya like he said he would. Ara stayed with them in the palo as chaperone while she was pretending that, um, that she's really interested in this book she's reading. No, but obviously she's kind of eavesdropping. So Avian apologized to her fervently for not cutting her right. And then the thing now, Shadow was now thinking, why is it like anytime I meet this guy, he's always apologizing for something? Until Tanya actually thought this thing. I hadn't noticed that in the book. Maybe if I have a, a chance to read the book again, I'll take notice. So to make things right, Etienne wanted to write to Tanya's papa to ask for his blessings so that he can officially ask her, 
you know, to marry him or maybe things like that, whatever it was. Before Tanya could say anything in addition, like maybe her papa or whatever she wanted to ask, someone knocked in, person rushed in. It was a courier, like a messenger with a message for Athian from his mother. His mother was sick. She needed him urgently. As Athian rushed out, Aria looked at Tanya with an accusing look. She's like, oh my God, I saw both of you interacting. Both of you are so sweet that you're so in love with him that you want to tell him about the other. That seen both of you kiss at the ball, but I didn't really want to think about it. Just accuse her. She didn't even give Tanya a chance to um, explain herself. She just rushed off, like Aria. She rushed off and told Madame everything. So Madame told Tanya, you're removed. You know, ATN is no longer your target. Even if you're, Tanya, see, even if you are not going to tell ATN about us, the order, you've been so distracted by him. Even at the last ball, you were supposed to give Lord Divilak some of the attention, but you completely forgot about him. And he gotten so worried about you that he had started looking for you. If Arya had not distracted him and he had found you with Ethier, kissing, what do you think would have happened? Hmm? What do you think? So the words that Madame Trathania in this scene were so harsh, like, he, she just she said a lot of mean things. And I really felt for Tanya because she's only been doing this for like four months. She's young, just 16. So, and Madame is much older. But I think at the point, you know, as Madame was talking, it dawned on her that, okay, I'm really harsh. She apologized. Because, but the thing is that the stakes were so high. Because had Lord Duvillac in discovered um, Tanya and Athey and Kissen, Tanya's reputation would be ruined. She would have, should have been of no more use to the order. And on top of that, should have broken the trust that Mazarin, that royal advisor, has in the order. Maybe he even spot stop, stop sunscreen them, close up the act or open another one. Do you understand that kind of thing? Or he might not even open another one. He might just be like, hey, women, all they care about is man. So there are a lot of things at stake. That's why Madame was just that harsh. But still, it's just still harsh you get. So, and then Madame now added and told Tanya, see, Ethian doesn't care about you, if that's what you're thinking. How can he care about you when he doesn't even know you? Okay, so for Madame, she's like, I don't, I don't get it. Y'all who wants to marry and things like that. All I've wanted in my life is to be a musketeer. So in response to all of this, Tanya was like, I'm sorry. I understand that my duty is to my sisters and to the order. That's what I truly want. So Madame was like, I'm going to place you on probation. You're not going to have any other targets. Just find how to decode that thing. Nothing else. So when Aria approached Tanya afterwards, Tanya was hushed out to her. She was like, Aria, you didn't have any faith in me. All you care about is knowing all the secrets so that you can lord it over others. You don't care about protecting anybody but yourself. So in response, Aria was like, Tanya, you're too wrapped up in your own self. That you don't want anybody to be angry with you. You want to be forgiven all the time. Tanya was like, at least I ask for forgiveness. You don't. And you've done so many wrongs. And that's why I've kept all your secrets, even the ones that you haven't told me, Aria. So quickly, Aria's other secret is that she's in love with Pothia. So that's kind of a lesbian story. Now, Tanya told her that, see, I never even would have let Athian on. That's not, that's not my plan. I just, I wanted to ask him more questions relating to our mission. And I, the reason I wouldn't have even continued anything with Athian is because it, it, it feels like I'm betraying the other and my father. Aria, you failed me. That's what Tanya told her. And tears filled Aria's eyes. So now, because the other girls were close by and they heard Ari and Tanya arguing because we're arguing close to all their rooms, like in the hallway. So the girls now, all the secrets now came out, right? About Tanya kissing Athena at the ball, the Max thief, and Aria's bad habits of jumping to conclusions to, in quote, protect. 
Okay, so Thea and Pothia, they were not happy to having cats in the dark. They agreed that there should be no more secrets among themselves. Not long after that, Henry finally figured out how to decode. So, actually, they were right. That lullaby in the fan, that, that's probably that last part that caught Mada's attention. If the piglets don't eat here, it was a tip off to use bacon cipher. That is a thing like that. I really didn't believe Henry. She's like, I don't believe you. And you know, she now looks at Tanya like, please, can you help me explain to everyone else why I don't believe Henry? So Tanya had to be like, okay, we're suspecting that Henry might be the inside informant. And Henry wasn't because he's like, I, I, see, I only want to help. And if I'm a spy, I'm doing such a thing, I would anger my aunts and should write my mom. And I don't want to get my, my own angry at me. He even looked afraid. As was like, his aunt was like, you're right. I would definitely throw you out. Do you understand? So everything was sorted out. The house was, you know, in one harmony. And when they looked at what Henry had decoded, only one letter, M. <laughs> Madame was like, oh yeah, come prepare tea. Nobody is sleeping this night. By morning, they had decoded enough to have a message that was instructing others to meet at the headquarters. It's not clear. They didn't know what it meant. And the winter solstice was like the next day, 24 hours. Oh God, Tanya was angry that in the light of all the danger, all the, all the tension, the king was still going ahead with the festivities. She's like, if only he was more king than boy. Oh, so Portia corrected some letters, you know, in the message because she felt some words were like not right. And she now, the message now read, you'll find your fellow servicemen and I'll be there to meet you. Now, they didn't know who I was. The I who signed it, they've not decoded that part. But at this point, the girls had to start dressing up to go for the procession of the winter solstice. The king would not be there, but the other, they suspected that the traitor nobles, they would receive their weapons. There is a good cover now. There are many people there who can share weapons. Nobody really noticed. So in the carriage, Henry continued decoding to find out who I was. It was Vedon. Finally, there was proof to arrest him and all the nobles that were implicated. Tanya wanted to go with Madame to serve justice to Vedon for what he'd done to her papa. By the last minute, she stepped back and stayed with her sisters instead. She wasn't some executioner and her place was with them. Madame was proud of her for making that decision. The girls, they just sticked out the pyramid of the festival, stayed close to see if they'll find anybody, you know, doing anything. So Madame and Henry, they were gone now. It was just the girls there. Now, Tanya imagined that, okay, the arrest of Monsieur Vedon is taking place now. But she also imagined that Athian and his mom, ah, like, they'll be sad, things like that. However... Madame returned to tell them that Vedon was not found though. That they said he had gone for a business meeting. So Madame had sent Henry with a message to Monsieur Brandon. That's your musketeer now that they collaborate with. And asked, um, Henry asked Monsieur Brandon to acquire reinforcements from Mazarin. And she now notified all the musketeers on her way there to search for Vedon in cabarets. Cabarets are entertainment houses. Maybe where singing, dancing, food is. That, that's where they were, he'll, he'll be having business meetings. But Tanya replied, remembered something that Etienne had mentioned before. That something along the lines of, Ugh, my father will be at the bar somewhere instead of you know, at the pub or the bar somewhere drinking with his friends instead of being at home with mama, something like that. So because of that statement, Tanya was like, no, Vedon is not at the, he's not at a cabaret, he's at a pub, which is a bar. So which means the headquarters of these traitors is a bar. So which one? Now, on the original copy of where that code is, there were drawings of bed clothes. So when you look at it well, it's an eagle. Then the Vedon's family crest is a lion. So if you combine an eagle and a lion, it gives you a griffin. So the headquarters was a pub called the Gryphon. It was close to them. Remember the Gryphon? That place, um, that day that the girls had that mission at the dock now, where they found containers and stole this code. You know, the um, Arya and the... Um, 
Tanya had wanted to meet up at that bar, but then they did not meet up again now because the way things went. So maybe if they had met up that day at that bar, they might have discovered the whole thing faster. But anyhow, the story went on and we're still back to the still back to the Gryphon. So the Gryphon is a, is not far from where they were, they were standing at that moment. So Madame was like, okay, I'm going to go and notify the nearest king's post. So they'll send a group to the Gryphon. Then other groups will spread across the area, especially the, the one leading to the waters where the traitors would hope to catch a ship and escape. And then before Madame left, she now told Tanya, see, no matter what, don't kill Fedon. The king wants him alive for questioning. Tanya promised. So to get into the pub, like that bar without suspicion, the girls had to pass off as prostitutes from a notable brutal. Pothia led them now. Pothia. You know, she has the most shallow feel, the loudest vibe and things like that. She had to be like, oh, the men upstairs sent us, you know? So the man, the owner of the bar, Francois, is now kind of took them up the staircase. I, the others followed Aria and then Tanya were at the back. So Aria had to carry Tanya up the stairs because Tanya can't climb stairs now because of the, her condition. So they stopped outside the door and then the, the Francois unlocked it. As soon as he unlocked that door, Thea knocked him out. So Pothia stepped into the room first and the men got excited when she announced that she came from so and so brutal. There were men hidden in the shadows, you know, their hearts and everything, but more some few of them, you could see their faces. So Pothia's eyes were filled with rage as she was looking around at the men at the room. But then the men interpreted the rage in her eyes to mean like to mean lust, like she couldn't get down to doing business, you know. Ah. Then the men now said drawing closer to her, and then one of them reached for Pothia's skirt. That's when Arya put her sword to his throat and all hell broke loose. They say fight and fight. So as well, in the midst of the fight, and Vedon escaped through the windows. And Thea was like, Tanya, run after him. Tanya hesitated because the girls were outnumbered. But then they were like, see, you have to catch that guy. So, you know, Tanya, the first, one of the things that fencing teaches people is how to fall, fall without getting hurt. So Tanya fell out of the window. She now gave Vedon a hot chase. And as she was running, she was, in her mind, she was hoping, ah, that that group, that king's um, guards, I hope they get to this pub on time and help my sister Zoo. Uh, so that sort of thing. But she still, she kept chasing Vedon. At a point... The dizziness got so much, she had to just crash into a wall to keep standing. She now just held the wall, was just walking, because at that point, it's that part of the poorest part of the city, the um, Lacos, the Miracles, or something like that. She was just kind of going there, and at the point, she took off running again. And eventually, Vedon stopped running on, on the bridge, because he realized, okay, I'm out in the open, and I'll be easily spotted. Because initially, he'd been running through alleys, you know, where he can easily camouflage and hide. So he was not looking for a way to escape that there was none. The only way to escape was to go back the way he came, which was to pass Tanya. So as Tanya approached, you know, as she approached, Vedon is backing her. She was now spelling out his crime against his king. She introduced herself as Tanya the Bad and told him that you killed my father. But I'm not going to fight you with your back turned on me. On closer look, she's like... Mm, why does he look shorter? Because when I saw him that day at university, he was taller and more imposing. But then, as the Vedon turned to face her, it was not Hubert, it was Etienne. Hmm. She was like, you know, she was like, her eyes wanted to bulge out of her socket. Etienne approached her, although she asked him to stay away. He didn't believe she could use her sword on him because, according to him, he hadn't fought at the last time. She was like, what do you mean the last time? Then he now clicked. Yeah, you had a mark slave, you had an intruder. He had snuck in after the return from the theater before the doors were locked. So he had won a week so suspicion could fall on Henry. Etienne had stolen the letters, hoping they contained some intelligence. But they had been about Tanya. 
However, what he'd found out, she had helped him in getting close to her. So all those less true, less this, less that, that he knew would help her is because he read the letters and saw how her father was managing her condition. So Athian had known about the other, her dizziness, and she had thought he was kind, open-hearted. But he had used her dizziness against her to make her doubt herself. He held her free hand and she pulled away. She didn't know she could fight him. She knew she was in love with him. And he knew it too. Because he had overheard her telling, talking about it on the balcony. I think when she was talking to Ari or so. But Tanya knew something. She's like, love shouldn't make a person feel guilty. It shouldn't be manipulative. Then she was like, why even involved in all of this, Athian? So Athian was like, the monarchy needs fresh blood. The people wouldn't care if the new king is a figurehead. They just need a symbol of hope that, see, during the last affront, my, my father hadn't been part of the nobles that betrayed the king. But had he paid off? No, he didn't get title. But me, when I remove the new king, I'll get title. So Tanya was like, you want to replace corruption with more corruption. It doesn't help France. People would die. It was like, eh, they are dead to be for the greater good. After all, what are the lives of beggars and bastards? <laughs> Tanya's blood ran cold. That's when she knew for sure. Ah, I'm meant to fulfill my father's legacy, my duty to the order and to my family. Tanya's father had been so close to exposing Athian's plans. He had intercepted a message Athian had sent to his uncle. But her father hadn't known that they had a special way of arranging their letters. They had known it was tampered with and they had invited him to Verdun's residence. So Papa had thought he would just sneak in, steal secrets and, and close the case. But it had been a trap. So Papa had done all of it for Tanya and her mother so they could be welcome to Paris. Etienne laughed at Papa's girl. Does he think he was still a real musketeer? Tanya said that, is that why your father killed Papa? Because of that? Etienne was confused like, well, what does my father have to do with any of this? He he doesn't have anything to do with any of this. That This is all me. I'm the mastermind. Like, he even considered it an insult that Tanya would think he, he would take orders from someone. Adrian and his father didn't get along because Avian wanted bigger things while his father was wrapped up in duty. It was Avian who recruited all the nobles involved. They were angry at the Nept King. Senor Verdon couldn't turn Avian over to the musketeers, although he tried to stop him. You get, he could not turn over his own son now. He's a, it would mean the end of their family line. So all he could do was watch his son's plot unfold. Etienne didn't care about the land and money he would inherit. He was in all of this for a title, title. Tanya was like, you're lying. She was in self-denial because how could she have been so wrong about a person? He well, insisted it was all true. So reminded of her papa, how alive, how good he was. And then his life was snuffed out because this boy wanted a title. Tanya's real resolve. She was like, if you draw your sword, she, I, like, I want your blood. I want the blood of this person who killed my father, but is claiming to love me. Etienne had feelings for Tanya and he didn't want to fight her. He was just blocking her tax initially and was like, oh, she, he was still thinking she could be reasoned with to see his big picture. But then he saw she was increasing the force of her tax. He now started fighting her. He was shocked that she could actually fence and fence really well, but her dizziness wasn't. And Tanya, she tried to ignore it. She fought harder. She fought faster. Because there was much at stake. The king, France, Papa, her sisters. But she fell to the ground. Eventually. Because she couldn't again. Then she held onto the side of the bridge. She tried to pull herself up, but she couldn't. Ethan called her weak. Like her father. That did something to Tanya. Then she jumped. She held onto the ledge of the bridge. She jumped onto there. With her left hand, she held the wall for support. With her right hand, she fought Etienne. Tanya's left hand dug into the bridge and dripped blood. In a short time, Ethan was panting and she knocked his sword away. She positioned her sword at his chest. 
His expression was a mix of fear. Like, ah, would this girl really kill me? Anger. This girl really best me. Love. But this, this babe, I like her. Why is she like this now? Then he was still like, ah, Tanya, Tanya. Ah, Tanya was seeing red at that time. She pushed through his clothes. Because, you know, their swords are really sharp. Had had her sword tore through his clothes. The, the, the first layer, the second, the third, to his chest. But she didn't now push it into his heart. He begged for mercy. She held him there until the musketeers grabbed him. He begged Tanya, Tanya, please, if you ever cared about me, kill me. You know that you, you know a traitor, dying as a traitor is no way to die. Please. But she just ignored him. They dragged him away. So she just stood there on that bridge, standing, dripping her other hand, dripping blood in the cold. Her sisters joined her there, the other three girls. They all stood there in their battered gowns with their shoulders back, their heads, their heads held high. That's how Madame and Henry found them. So Portia had a deep gash in her arm. They were treating that one. Obviously, it's Tanya's hand. And then PTSD. Ah, Tanya carried water. I was scrubbing her face, her hand, everywhere that Athian had touched was disgusted. Then, as for how the traitors planned to kill the king, you know, by the time they now rounded all of them and they saw prison and their lives were over, they confessed. The bags of salt that were brought into the palace were actually striking to poison the entire court. Striking the doesn't ask quickly. And the worst part is that it's not only the people in court that they would have killed. Because the leftovers from the feast of such a festive time, it will be given to common peasants, normal people. They will feed it, they will feed and die too. A lot of people would have died. So Tanya asked everything. She now wrote her mother, like I'll say you soon. Then Henry painted, painted a mural of the girls, you know, on one wall, like four of them. Very beautiful mural. And this is the end of the story. Thank you so much for sticking with me to the end, including listening to this bonus episode. So we'll have a new episode on Monday and I am excited to see you then. Until then, I love you so much for listening. I don't take this for granted that you're taking this time to listen. Please rate wherever you listen. You know, Apple, Spotify, review on Apple too. It helps. And I will see you soon. Bye.